Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Uh, last week, Pastor Doug brought us through um, DNA of GHC is a crit scripture following church. And this week, um, we are going to be talking about GHC is a Holy Spirit welcoming church. Amen? Amen. So today is, um, it's not going to be an exhaustive about this, but hopefully an intro because when we begin to talk about the idea of the Holy Spirit's impartation to the New Testament church, uh, at the crux of it and at the beginning, it is what the New Testament church is. Amen. And so th- there's much to talk about and much to, to dive into on this. I just want to start out here. Um, D.L. Moody, a little story about D.L. Moody. He was a, a, a preacher who gave his life in England and um, to pre- the gospel and his leading was well known for letting the Holy Spirit move through his life. And there's a story that says D.L. Moody was to have a campaign in England. And an elderly pastor protested, why do we need this, Mr. Moody? He's uneducated, inexperienced, etc. Who does he think he is anyways? Does he think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And the younger, wiser pastor rose and responded, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. See, this is the kind of people we want to be. We want to be people who are led by God and have relationship with the Holy Spirit in a way that we see the New Testament church did and still does today. Amen? And so I want to walk you through a little bit about um, the Holy Spirit in terms of when we read through Scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit was active right from the beginning. In fact, from the very beginning, it's, it was uh, talked about in Genesis, let us make man in our own image. The idea that, that the Father God... Um, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in relationship and created man in their image. All through the Old Testament, we see references to impartations of the Holy Spirit um, leading on people, guiding people, and and how that would display itself was um, um, supernatural acts of strength, supernatural wisdom, um, just the ability to to work through things. In fact, David in the Psalms writes uh, several times, actually regularly, about don't take your Holy Spirit from me or the re- the reality that the presence of God in relationship is a real thing named Holy Spirit. And so we want to talk about that this morning as it pertains to the New Testament church and the birth of the church now. And so... I just want to dive right in and and let's look at some of the roles of the Holy Spirit that we see in John that Jesus promised for the church, Um, the the promise and the role of the Holy Spirit. So first off, I would say the promise and then his role in convicting people of their sin. And let's talk about it. So John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper, everyone say helper, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we see that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit in a way that those who have been um, in relationship with the salvation message or the idea that they needed a savior, Christ being the Messiah, 
saying and recognizing that the Holy Spirit is at work in people's lives. In fact, in other portions of Scripture, it says, you don't even become aware of the good news except the Holy Spirit works in your heart and makes you aware of that. You ever think about that a minute? You didn't arrive to this idea of the gospel being the good news except the Holy Spirit was already at work in you to open that up to say, wow, I'm in desperate need of a Savior. Or maybe if it wasn't that, it was, I'm curious or interested about this man named Jesus. Or, or I'm going to respond favorably to the invitation to go to church. You ever think that it was the Holy Spirit already at work for you, within you, to lead you to that point? That's a promise and a praise the Lord. We, we see that also in John chapter 16... Uh, to set the chapter up, this is uh, 14, 15, and 16. The apostles are, are, are just now coming to the awareness that Jesus is getting ready to leave. He, he's already been crucified. He, he uh, had already been buried. He already uh, rose again. And now they're grappling with the idea, oh, wait a minute. You said you were going to leave us. And 14, 15, and 16 sets the narrative about them pleading with Jesus not to leave them. In fact, chapter 16, it says they're very saddened and they asked him, please don't leave us. And, and that, would be, that would be for real. And here in, in John 16, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So Jesus is, is foretelling or telling them of the importance of the helper who was promised to come to abide with and empower the disciples to live the Christian walk. And also then to be enabled with Holy Spirit gifts to do supernatural things and be led by him. Think about this. We see that this impartation to the disciples wasn't just for them. It was to all who would believe the promise of the Holy Spirit. That means it's for me. Everybody say it's for me. We are a church that welcomes the Holy Spirit. Everything that that means. Now, we know that in the name of the Holy Spirit, things can get messy. We know that, that when people um, say that they're walking in with the Holy Spirit in relationship, that he can lead and guide them, that sometimes the interpretation of that can get a little messy. We know that people interpret um, what they read in Scripture or the Holy Spirit, that sometimes how that translates out to serving people and loving people and ministering people comes out of their own personality, experience, or background that informs them in how they minister. We know that. We also know that here at Grace Harvest Church that we're to walk with people in maturity and side by side, and it's okay, we can handle it. In other words, what I mean by that is have you ever been in a meeting and uh, maybe it was many people in the meeting and you all came away and you heard the same thing, but when you exited the meeting 
and you were telling people, um, maybe several of you came away with different understandings of what the meeting was said. Some of you, you're wondering, was I in the same meeting? Sometimes the interpretation of what the Holy, how the Holy Spirit ministers and is asking you to move or to do or to speak comes out in our own personality, our own experiences, sometimes our own hurts or what we're aware of. And so the reality that then we would have to uh, work with others or have other mature Christians come along and say, hey, I want to talk to you about what you just shared or what you just did or, or how that moved. And, and, and we want to encourage that people would be open to the Holy Spirit leading them in such a way that they're not afraid to try to step out. Because God desires obedience. Amen? And we want people to be obedient. So we're willing to walk with him through that. In Titus 3, 5 through 7, says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we see right there that it's the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives to renew them and to and to work in and through them and it's the power of the Holy Spirit that will work the regenerating process in people's lives. That that we have a reliance on that today we're not going to stay the same as we were yesterday. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's at work within us. Because he's come to convict. He's come to show us. He's come to reveal. And so conviction, the idea that we would be made aware of our sin or missing the mark or our offense. It's the Holy Spirit's role. This is one he came to do. It's one function that he came to do. The awareness that I've missed the mark or I don't have a relationship with God or I veered outside of that. Oh, whoa. And if any of us are in tune to that or willing to listen or make ourselves available to that, we will find that the Holy Spirit is ready to lead and guide and to minister to us. We see in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. so it says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So we see the idea that it's the Holy Spirit that, that binds us in a spirit of unity. Spirit of Christ, spirit of unity. The idea that we could walk together, that the moment that we make a decision to follow Christ, the distinction of our ethnicity goes away. Think about this. Think about this. This is powerful. The idea that now we are all under the banner of Christ. No matter what culture, no matter what continent, no matter what skin color, no matter what language, Christ is the unifying factor in the spirit of unity. Come on, somebody. And so we see now the setup. The setup is that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit on the move and arriving as a helper and a comforter. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 8, the, the writer of Acts, we think Dr. Luke, good authority, 
in the first book, O Theophilus. Theophilus is a title. Uh, many theologians aren't sure if it's uh, an individual or a title of someone, but, but two, two letters or two books written to this, to this uh, name. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to, to do and teach in the book of Luke. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not so many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I just want to stop there. They still were fixated on the idea that Jesus was the physical Messiah to deliver the nation of Israel from Roman rule. It was still, still there. Like their first thought was, so is now the time you rose from the dead? What do we do now? Are we going to go? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Come on, somebody. We know that this directive from Jesus to the apostles was for them at the moment. We also know later on through the teachings of the apostles that that statement was a gift and to be replicated in the New Testament church. That means that in the New Testament church, this promise is for everyone. Come on, somebody. And so we see if you were to, if you were to break out a map or a globe, break out a map, and you were to put your finger on Jerusalem, the promise was that they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now think about this. Jerusalem. Moses Lake. We, right? I mean, that just happens to be us. Sometimes in thinking about these things, or, or, or you're looking at the globe, you know, Jerusalem. Moses Lake. It's, it's, that's how it lines up. That's, that's where it is. Sometimes we can get so fixated in Amerocentro thinking. In other words, we, we, are, we are American and we're in this land and everything revolves around us. And it's simply not true. There, there is much more to the world. There, there are people at work, vibrant and living and praying and worshiping and, and doing all the things that, that they know to do. While we are sleeping, they are awake. And while we are awake, they are sleeping. We participate in this union and relationship with God because of the Holy Spirit. And this promise that there was going to be power when the Holy Spirit came upon them, came upon us, power. Well, so we believe that since his arrival, there are several functions. We want to have an atmosphere that says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We recognize that the Holy Spirit speaks some functions. So in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, Scripture says, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. 
That's an interesting. Uh, the story is a great story. But just think about this, being so in tune or aware that the Holy Spirit in that miraculous moment, dunk, go and join that chariot. There's a chariot. I'm here. It's there. Go and join the chariot. Okay. We see that Scripture clearly marks out that he speaks, leads, guides in Acts 15, 28. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Right here is a great, I love this portion of Scripture because it deals with how to bring in Christians or people from other places and then what, what do we overlay on them and what should they do? And we see that in this text that there were Christians and, and disciples that were coming from other regions and then, and then the Christians in Jerusalem were overlaying on them all these other rules that they had to follow cultural and, and, and unwritten and traditions and they had to follow all of these things and so it grieved the new Christians they're like we didn't read this nobody told us about all this rules it's become a burden so the disciples gather and they gather and as they're dialoguing they come to the consensus but scripture says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit so right in the middle of them dialoguing remember the spirit is within the spirit is within. The spirit is within. All over this room, the spirit is within. So when you hear the word of the Lord, the spirit should confirm what you've just heard. And so as these, as these men are talking, they come to a conclusion. What kind of a burden should we put on these people? What does that look like? What, what do we read? What's been, what's been taught? Huh? Okay. And, and they boiled it down to just a few things that they should lay on them. And it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. In other words, you could translate that. You feel good about it? Does that resound with you? You feel good about it? Does that resound with you? You feel good about it? It doesn't contradict anything that we read? Okay. He leads and guides. And, it, and along with that thought, in John 14, 26, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Another name for the Holy Spirit is Comforter. The disciples were wrestling with the idea, Jesus, you're going to leave us. We, we, we're going to have such great sorrow and sadness. What are we going to do? Jesus is encouraging them. The helper's coming. He's going to lead and guide you in be your comforter. Think, think about this in a moment. Have you ever reminisced or missed somebody greatly? And the thing that you long to understand or relive or be reminded of were the things that they said or their presence. And the Holy Spirit right here, Jesus is saying, hey, you're not going to forget what I've told you. There's going to be one who is coming to instruct you and he's going to remind you of the things that I've taught you. Wow, great comfort. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 8, 14 through 17. It says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, 
and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This text is is so packed. There's so much here. I just want to draw uh, some light to the idea that right here, the Spirit has a function. The Holy Spirit at work in people's lives is the sealer of our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's his job. It's God's job to keep you and to hold you. Jesus talks about that a little bit, but it's the Holy Spirit who gives you the spirit of adoption as sons. Uh, In Hebrew, this is really important because in Paul, in the Hebrew culture, you could never undo what has been adopted. Think about this. So even the terminology, not just bringing in as a son and daughter, that's good. That's you bring him in, but but to 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 have to be adopted in the culture could never be undone. It's like whoa, I'm I've been adopted. You you would have heard this this idea that I am permanently in this family. I'm I'm here. And so, so Paul is writing to say, this is what's happening in this moment. And in Romans, later on, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Think about this. Think about it. I love this. This is a reminder that we are not alone in this journey. This is a reminder that God is in hot pursuit of us in relationship with him. It's a reminder that there is one who, when we are weak or when we don't know what to pray for or we are overwhelmed, there is one that prays for us and intercedes on our behalf. Come on, follow me. I mean, this is, this is a rich text of scripture here. It's, it's really a promise and a reminder that, that God's got this and he's going to carry us through and he, the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? And in Acts chapter 2, Verse 16 through 18, it says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Job. It says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh. flesh. Does that mean it's for us? All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. This is, this is an amazing text of scripture. If we're thinking about the idea of the birth of the New Testament church, it was literally birthed on the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Wait, 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 wait. It's Jesus' church. But right here in this moment, wait in Jerusalem, wait. Wait for the one who's going to come in power and endow you with, with power and spiritual gifts. Wait, because something is going to happen. And then we have a retelling of the prophecy from Joel right here in Acts. It says, right here in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then we see the promise of spiritual gifts to all people, men and women, This is dynamic, folks. Come on. This is for us. And so we are a church that welcomes the Holy Spirit. We see that the Holy Spirit has wisdom and gifts. 
that he possesses emotion, intellect, and will. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 11 through 14, it says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Oh, wow, okay, here we go. The Holy Spirit will teach us will unpack the things of God to us. Think about this. It's not just on our own to, to pick up the Bible and just read through and then, and then be, be even lost in, in its wording or, or, or as we go through life, try to translate what, we, what we've been taught and what we've read to be a Christian to our culture and community. But the scripture says that the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside and unpack the things of God to us. Now, and now it also says that, 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 that right here, these things won't be understood by people who don't have the spirit within them. Well, how does that translate? Well, that translates sometimes, have you ever talked to, to, to a non-believer about your relationship with God? Maybe you had a revelation, you read something sometime or an experience and you tell them. And they're like, okay. All right, thanks now. (laughs) This scripture just gave you a a reason why maybe there was that response. Just a maybe. Because they don't have that relational understanding of who God is or the Holy Spirit impartation to be able to translate what it is you just shared that was so important to you or revealing. See, God's on the move. He's not out to just remain this spiritual mystery that, that we can never try to build relationship with without really knowing much about. We have the Bible, and then we have the Holy Spirit to come alongside, to lead and guide, and to unpack those things. And I'm going to bring it to a landing here. So we're a church that also welcomes the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. 4, 7 through 11, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits and to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We are talking about the Holy Spirit that is the giver of gifts. Now, I don't know about you, but I want all the gifts. In fact, I appreciate gifts, really. And I want all the gifts I can get my hands on, especially when they're from the Lord. And especially when scripture says that he gives good gifts. I want everything. I'm open 
Share it with me. I'll receive. And as Christians here at Grace Harvest Church, we want to be a people that are, that are not only open to the Holy Spirit, but we, we welcome and are in hot pursuit to whatever the Lord would have for us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? Amen. And I just, I just got to tell you, to all the parents who have little ones here, it does not phase me one bit. I, I praise the Lord for new arrivals and young ones, and it, it means life is in our midst. Amen? And so, come on. We're okay with that. Or at least I am. You know, people, we want to be a church that's open to whatever God would have for us. And in fact, in, in, in 1 Corinthians, the end of chapter 14, the Apostle Paul says that you would desire, above all, the gift of prophecy. And the Apostle Paul all writes, also writes later and says that the, the role of prophecy is to reveal the mysteries of men's hearts. Think about this. God is on the move for people. He'll overcome any hurdle, tear down any wall, break through any lie. He's out to get what Jesus paid for, which is people. And so this morning, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus in the way that I've just described an awareness that he's Savior and Lord or, or, or the Holy Spirit in the way that I would describe it as one who leads and guides is the comforter and has come to empower with gifts. We just want to pray as I close that you would receive. And if you're in that position that you would just say, Lord, I receive whatever gifts you have. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here as I close in prayer. Amen.